Thank you, Father. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. So this morning on the way to church, um, I turned on my worship playlist. I was listening to my music, trying to get into the zone while I was going to church. It sounds funny. It's like I'm trying to... It's like whenever you go work out, you put on some heavy stuff to like get in the zone, you know, get in your feels a little bit. I had to get in my feels this morning a little. <laughs> but as I was driving in, uh, I put on a song called Praise You Anywhere. And it's a song by Brandon Lake. And the lyrics of it, this is the first verse. It says, sometimes you've got to dance through the darkness, sing through the fire, praise when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you got to stare down the giant, worship from the lion's den. Sometimes you got to shout it from the mountain, louder in the valley, trusting that he's going to get you there. And the first song that we sang this morning was so fitting with that, I feel like. The raise a hallelujah in the, in the middle of my enemies, in the presence of whatever might be going wrong. I'm still going to choose to worship you, to praise you. I'm not going to let my circumstances be bigger than who you are. And I feel like so often we're, we do that. We, we allow the, the lost job. We allow the financial hardship. We allow what the doctors say, like what Bailey was saying. We allow what the doctors say to be bigger than what God has done for us. We allow that to be bigger than the promises that he's shown us. We allow relationships to be bigger than what God has promised us. And there's so many times whenever we get into those situations, whenever we get into this moment where we don't know what's going to happen, we're at the, I mean, we hit rock bottom. We're at the lowest of lows, the lowest that we can go. And we don't know what else to turn to. We don't know what to do. And it seems so hopeless in that moment. But just like that song says, sometimes all you can do, whenever you're in the middle of your enemies, when you're in the middle of something that seems impossible to get out of, that's whenever you have to turn to God, when you have to praise Him, when you have to give everything that you may be fearing, everything that you may be going through, give it over to Him and say, God, I'm not going to let my circumstances be more than what you've already promised me, what you've already done for me. You've given me redemption over addiction. So God, I'm going to give it to you. I may be at rock bottom, but I'm trusting you right now. I may not have, I may have a whole lot of month at the end of my money, but God, I'm going to trust you. I've been in that place. (laughs) It's not a fun place. But I don't fear where I may be at at the end of the month, where my money, where my finances may be at. I don't fear that because I know that my God has promised me that my family will not go hungry. My family will not go without a roof. My family will not know what it's like to live without heat in the wintertime. My family will not know what it's like to live without the cool in the summertime. I know his promises. My God is a God that provides. My God is a God that sees my needs. And he says, I see the bird's needs and I see yours even more so. So I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you what you need. Just trust me. Amen. Amen. Just trust me. 
That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to trust Him. And we, He wants us to praise Him anywhere. That word praise, whenever I think about it, or whenever I get into that idea of what praise is, is that it's worship is the only thing that we can give back to God. Worship is the only thing we can give back to Him. And whenever we give that worship back to Him, whenever we open ourselves up and say, God, I don't know what else to do but just give you praise, that's whenever He says, here's more. He doesn't have to give out. I preached a message on this a long time ago, but he doesn't have to give out, but he chooses to. In the time that we're giving back to him, after God has given so, so much to us, after he's provided so much for us, he doesn't have to give out, but he chooses to. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve that provides for us. Amen. Dear Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for providing for us. God, we thank you that whenever fear tries to creep in, whenever we try to, whenever the world tries to take our mind off of who you are over your, off of your goodness, God, we pray that we are able to say, I may be surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I may be going through the toughest thing that I've ever had to go through, but God, I'm going to choose to look at you. I'm not going to choose to let my circumstances be bigger than who you are. God, we trust you this morning. We give everything over to you. And Lord, we thank you for how good you are to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if y'all would, go ahead, turn around, tell somebody hello this morning, even the introverts, please. Well, good morning. How is everybody this morning? Great. All right. Let me get my notes all pulled up. Swing. All right. So this morning, it is the first of the month, and everybody knows if you're new here, everybody who's been here before at the first of the month, y'all know that we give a tithe message. Um, if you're new here, we give a tithe message at the beginning of the month, um, and I volunteered to give the tithe message this morning. Uh, so if y'all don't like hearing from me, y'all chose the wrong Sunday to be here. <laughs> um, but I volunteered to give the tithe message. And to be 100% honest, probably two or three months ago, I couldn't have given this message because I was not a very good tither. I'm just going to be 100% honest. I chose to let... Fear and anxiety, fear of my finances, fear of uh, not having enough, uh, enough. Like I said at the beginning, having a little bit more month than your money at the end of the month, right? But whenever Robbie Dawkins was here last month, I felt like God had told me that I need to tithe whenever he was here to give to his ministry. And 
I kind of fought with it a little bit, as bad as that might sound. Um, I kind of fought, and I was like, you know what? I'll, I, uh, uh, let me, uh, uh, you know, I did everything that I could to not. I tried to come up with every excuse to not. And I know that sounds so bad, me arguing with God over something that he already told me to do. <laughs> but I did it. I was faithful. I told, I told God, I said, okay, I'm going to trust you. Get me to the end of the month. Because at the end of the month, I'm usually struggling. Just going to be 100% honest. It, it's economy. It's not that I don't get paid enough. It's not mom and dad's fault or anything. It's the number one, I like to spend money on certain things that I like. And uh, King Supers likes to take my money. And my truck is a gas guzzler. So it's nothing, nothing bad in my paycheck or nothing. It's just the economy, right? So I, I told God, I said, okay going to do it. I trust you. And I remember I went to the bank and I pulled out a, a, a cash, pulled out cash. And I remember holding it. And I said, God, I trust you. And I won't let fear rule what I do. Amen. So I came, I gave, and I did it kind of reluctantly. I was sitting there like this. And finally I let go. And in October, I saw increase. I, is it okay if I say? <laughs> I'm going to say it. I got a pay raise. Amen. I got a pay raise. And it's more, exponentially more than what I could have expected. It's exponentially more than what I was even hoping for. And this isn't me, in, in Malachi, it says to not boast about your giving. It says to not boast about you tithing or what you get out of it. But what I'm here to say is I don't want to be boasting. I'm not telling you this to be like, oh, look at how good I am. What I'm telling you is that God is so good that he wants to give back to you. Whenever you give out, whenever you give of yourself, when you're obedient to what God is telling you to do, he's going to make sure that it doesn't go in vain. Amen. Amen. My wife and I, before we got married, we took a class here at the church, a financial peace class. And if you don't know what financial peace is, financial peace is a, uh, I want to say it's like an eight-week class where you learn to manage your finances. And before Lacey and I got married, I was looking out for me, myself, and I, and I like to spend my money the way that I see fit, <laughs> which was not very good <laughs> because I like expensive things. But we took this class together and Dave, Ram did I say Gordon Ramsay? Okay. <laughs> I was sitting here. I'm like, Dave Ramsey. Shoot. Did I say the chef? Um, Dave Ramsey at the end of the class, he talks about extreme giving or giving openly. And one thing that I had to learn was that your tithe is built into your budget. Your tithe isn't something that's left over after you budget for everything else. You set your tithe aside first, then you budget for everything else. And I feel like the reason why I struggled with giving for so long is because I was worried that by me giving, being obedient to what God told me to do, it would leave me high and dry at the end of the month. 
I wasn't budgeting well. And this is just from my limited experience adulting. A budget's important. (laughs) A budget's really important, especially whenever you're counting your tithe into it. Because a lot of the people say, I can't afford to tithe. Whenever I budget, there's not enough room left for me to tithe. You can't not afford to tithe. Mom and dad say that all the time. You can't not afford to tithe. It's the most important part of your financial success. So what I'm going to say is that sometimes whenever you have to budget your tithe in, you may have to cut Taco Bell out every now and again. You may have to eat some Pop Ramen every now and again. That's for the younger audience. (laughs) No, it's not. You may have to eat a little bit cheaper. You may not be able to get name brand. And let me tell you, Kroger brand, just as good. I didn't know that. My wife taught me that. (laughs) But sometimes whenever it comes to tithing, whenever it comes to budgeting with your tithe in there, you have to cut back some certain costs so that you can give to God what is his and he can make you increase so that you don't have to buy Kroger brand sometimes. I'm just being honest. In that last class that Dave Ramsey did, he said, live like this so you can give like this. Sometimes we have to be a little bit stingy. Sometimes we have to say, I need to cut costs. I don't have the money to buy that new pair of boots. For me, it's Jordan's. I don't have the money to buy name brand this month. So I'm going to buy a little bit of Kroger stuff mixed in with my name brand. Sometimes that's what it takes. But the most important thing is that you have to tithe. Because then God will bring you increase so you can buy the things that you want. God will bring you increase so that you can give more freely to people. God will give you increase so that you can start to increase others. That's the important thing. So a few weeks ago, Dad launched a Give Challenge. Was anybody, how, raise your hand if you were here for that. If you were here for the give challenge. There's a good number of people. Okay. So the give challenge, what dad said, it's right here on the screen, is that for six months, he preached this message the third week in October, and he said for six months, he wants to challenge you to give, to tithe 10%. That's it. To tithe 10% to the give challenge badge on the church center app. Or if you go to our website, there is a tab that says giving. You go there, you click the link and it takes you to our church center. So dad challenged us with this. And the reason why he challenged us with this is because he believes so much. We believe so much. It's not just dad riding in this boat alone. We believe so much that God will give you increase, that God will grow you Financially, in your, in your relationships, whatever it might be, we believe that God is going to bring you increase in some way or capacity. That if you don't see increase or growth within that six months on April 21st, we will give you your money back. It's like an OxyClean commercial up in here. (laughs) If you aren't satisfied within 
How long is six months? 120 days? Something like that? I don't know. If you aren't satisfied in that time period, 100%, I'm bad at math, okay? (laughs) If you aren't satisfied within that time, it is a 100% money back guarantee. That's how confident we are that you're going to see increases, that you're going to get to April 21st and you're going to say, I don't even need that money that I tithed. I've seen so much growth, so much increase in my life that I don't even need that money anymore. That's how strongly we believe in this. So dad's scripture basing off of this is Malachi 3.10. And it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take, take it in. Put me to the test. This is something that God tells us to test him in. The only thing that I have to say anymore is that whenever we do give, whenever we decide to give, we need to do it. If we do this give challenge, we need to do it with the heart of expecting increase from God, not with the mindset of on April 21st, I'm going to get my money back. Amen. So, give with an expecting heart of what God is going to do for you. Not with the idea that N3C is going to give it back to you if it doesn't work. That's the biggest thing is that we have to give expecting. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, this is going to sound a little funny. I left my wallet in the back. But if you would, if you are single, put your hand on it yourself. But take your wallet out. This is going to be if you have it on, if you have your bank on your phone, go ahead and do that. That's fine too. Um, I don't know why this isn't some sort of name it and claim it kind of deal. But if you're with your spouse, both of you put your hands on your wallet, on your phone, whatever that might be, whatever you connect your money to, whatever that is. If you have it with you, put your hand on it and say, "God, I'm believing for increase. I choose to trust you." And I choose to not let fear rule my finances. I'm giving with an open hand so that heaven's open hand can be put to me. All right. Dear Father God, thank you so much for everybody in here that gives, for everybody in here that tithes, God. Lord, we are believing for increase. God, we are believing that your goodness and your mercies follow us each and every day, and that counts towards our finances as well. God, we thank you for your goodness, your promises, and God, we choose to stand on those. We choose to believe in those every single day, God. We wake up with that choice to believe them, and God, we choose to wake up and believe it. In Jesus' name, God, we pray for increase. We thank you for increase, and we thank you for what you are yet to do in our finances. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, well, that's it. Y'all go home. I'm totally joking. Um, (laughs) So, first and foremost, I guess, secondly, uh, 
I would like to bring honor to our pastors this morning. Thank you guys so much for giving me another opportunity to be here. I say to be here like I'm not here every other weekend, but thank you for letting me speak again. I appreciate y'all, and thank you for the platform that you guys have built to give the opportunity to myself, CW, Kayleen, Josh, Kirsty, whoever it might be, outside ministers. Thank you so much for answering God's call in your life to be founding this. Don't. Thank you. You guys are amazing, and without y'all, we couldn't have a church family like this. So thank y'all. Next, online family, thank y'all so much for joining us this morning. Kingdom Ranch, thank y'all so much for joining us. We know that y'all aren't in-house with us, but that doesn't make you guys any less of our family. Could we please give it up for our online family this morning? By the way, Mimo, I know that you're watching. Thank you for telling dad to give me a hug. He did give it to me, but he kicked me afterwards to just make sure that I still knew that he was my dad. <laughs> I'm kidding. He didn't kick me. He did it very lovingly, and he said, this is from your Mimo. I love you, and I miss you. My Mimo is my grandma. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it this morning. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Hopefully, we can get you out of here and beat the Baptist to the buffet. Um, so this morning... What I want to speak on, I've heard this topic come up quite a bit, and I've heard it from conversation with my dad. I've heard it from conversation with other people. It's prevalent in my job. Uh, you may have heard of it, heard of it before. I hear it on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it might be. I hear this phrase quite a bit, and it's one of my favorite phrases, but it's an acronym. I say phrase. It's an acronym. Does anybody know what FOMO means? Y'all are awesome. Okay, if you didn't understand the murmurs like I did, FOMO, it's a four-letter acronym. F-O-M-O means fear of missing out. So what does that mean? I heard some, oh, that's a good response. I like that. So what is FOMO? What What is the fear of missing out? What does that mean? So if you don't know what FOMO is or you've never put this feeling to this acronym, have you ever been watching a movie preview or a TV show preview or whatever it might be and they say this is the must-see event of the year, must-see movie of the year, must-see award show of the year, must-see concert of the year? Have you heard that before? Okay, have you seen the phrase limited edition, limited time only, FOMO? Exactly, that's how they get you. I am a sucker for limited edition. <laughs> I'll see it on a Hot Wheel and I'm like, I don't even play with cars. I want it. <laughs> I love limited edition stuff because my papa used to think like this. My papa was like, it'll be worth money one day. <laughs> it will. <laughs> it's like the stock market. You got to watch it. You got to make sure that it's selling good, right? <laughs> so... This whole idea of FOMO, this whole idea of the fear of missing out, it's put all around us. The world loves this idea of FOMO. They love this idea of you don't want to miss this because it's going to be so good. And if you miss out on it, everybody's going to be talking about it except for you. And you're going to be the one that's like, oh, no. That's what FOMO gives you. 
that's the feeling that it gives you is this feeling of like, oh man, I don't want to miss out on that. Oh, I got to buy it. It's so cool. It's shiny. Everybody else has shiny stuff. I want shiny stuff. Again, sucker for it. <laughs> that's what FOMO is. The fear of missing out is this feeling of you don't want, quite literally, you don't want to miss out. It's this feeling of I don't want to be out of the loop of everything else. So what does that mean for Christians? How does FOMO affect us? When we become a Christian, we are called to live at a higher standard. Amen. We're called to live at a biblical standard. So that means that not everything that this world beckons us with is for us. Not everything. Some things we can partake in, you know, and have fun. But not everything. We are called to live within the parameters that the Bible gives us. So you may be in here and you may be listening to me and you're brand new and you haven't given your life to Christ yet. And you may be thinking, man, this kid's making a good case to not be a Christian. (laughs) What does he mean that I, I have to miss out on certain things? What does that mean? You may be in here and you're like, yep, I know exactly what he's talking about. I am a Christian and I have had to miss out on some of the best fun ever. You may be sitting in here thinking that too. To be 100% honest, I've had these thoughts also. I come from a household. I am 22 years strong, a Christian. I'm 22 years old. That means anything. I was born into a pastoral home. I am a PK. I have believed God all my life. And growing up, I was, or not growing up, not whenever I was four. Whenever I got older, like high school age, I was like, man, I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of things that my friends are doing. But I can't do it. What if I'm missing out on the best times of my life? I'm missing out on being a teenager, a dumb teenager that's supposed to make mistakes. Missing out. That's how FOMO applies to us as Christians. Is that the world throws these ideas at us that this is what's fun. Getting drunk. Oh, yeah. Lying. Oh, yeah. It's great. So much fun. If you need a lie, I mean, just fudge a couple of numbers, you know, tell a little white lie, get out of trouble, get that job promotion. The Bible tells us not to. The Bible tells us that we're not supposed to lust, but the world says it's okay to look at the opposite gender and, you know, dress them with your eyes. (laughs) I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> Bible tells us that we're not supposed to get drunk, but the world says that's the most fun that we can have. God has called us to a higher standard. Therefore, since we are called to that higher standard, we are called to leave the world standard behind and to be look, be looking towards God's standard. 
So in the course of researching this message, I found out that the fear of missing out is not a new thing. It's not a new advertising ploy. The fear of missing out has quite literally been around since the beginning of time. If you're questioning it, please turn with me to Genesis 3. So up to this point in Genesis 3, God has created uh, the world. He's put Adam and Eve in the garden. He has made every animal... And Adam and Eve are now living in the garden. Life's good. They're naming all the animals. They're coming up with weird names like giraffe and zebra. You know, they're living their best life in the garden. So here is where we pick up Genesis 3, verse 1. And I'm reading this out of the message translation because the message the message is funny. Have you guys read the message translation? It's so real. Like, it's like, uh, stupid, you know, that kind of deal. Anyways... In verse 1, it says, The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you to not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the tree in the garden. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, Don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, You won't die. God knows the moment that you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything ranging from all the way from good to evil. Immediate, uh, I lost my place. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized that she would, what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. Immediately, the two of them did see what's really going on saw themselves naked, they sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. The enemy, right here when he was tempting Eve, used that sense of the fear of missing out. He told her, you know what? God's just trying to keep you away from really knowing stuff. He's just trying to keep it for himself. He doesn't want you guys to become as powerful as he is. You're really missing out on this big old, you know, all-knowing type of deal. That's the exact way that Satan presents sin to us. The way that I look at it is that if somebody were to come up to you, and they were holding a big old bomb, and they said, here, take this, wait 10 seconds, and in 10 seconds, it's going to blow your mind. Play on words. Would you take the bomb? No! It's a bomb! Why would you take a bomb that's got the fuse lit 10 seconds and then blown mind? You wouldn't take it. Now, what the devil does is what he, what he does is he takes this bomb, he puts it in a nice little box, then he closes the box, he wraps it up in gift wrap paper, and then he ties it up with a little bow, and he says, hey, got this for you. Wait 10 seconds, and it'll blow your mind what's in it. Dang right, it's going to blow your mind. That's what the enemy does, is he takes sin, he makes it look appealing to us, makes it look not dangerous, and then offers it to us. He doesn't say, hey, just so you know, if you start this, you're probably going to lose your job whenever they find out these numbers aren't real. 
He doesn't say, hey, if you maybe start this, you might become addicted 10 years later. He doesn't tell you that. He says, hey, look at how fun this is now. Look at the instant gratification that you can have right now. We all sin. We all fall short. And we all give in to FOMO every now and again. Right? It's okay. I do too. I do it every day. (laughs) The fear of missing out is enticing because we are built to not want to miss out. Society has changed us in that way to where we don't want to miss out on something that we might be seen or that might be seen as fun is might be seen as good in the moment. You know, that's exactly what we're trained to do in in the society that we're lived that we live in now. But when we do sin, when we fall short, when we give in to FOMO, God's grace and mercy is how we find our way back. We may be falling into FOMO. We may fall into it. But God's waiting just just right behind us saying, hey, I'm still back here. I'm I'm still back here. I'm still here. If you want to turn around, just come back to me. And I'll show you what real fullness looks like. As Christians, we can afford to miss out on some of the things that this life is offering to us as fun. We can afford to miss out on earthly pleasures because we aren't banking on this life being the only one that we have. We have an eternity to enjoy much better things than what this life has to offer. To combat the fear of missing out, we need to realize that God has better for us. The things that are better than the fear of missing out are fullness, joy, love, self-control, and being unashamed. When we give in to FOMO, we can experience those the, the complete opposite of those things. When we give in to FOMO, we can be left feeling feeling empty, we can be left feeling angry, we can be left feeling ashamed, hurting. Does that feeling feel Familiar to anybody? The way that I look at it is that we have a void on the inside of us. And we try to fill that void with earthly pleasures. We try to fill it with sin. But that void can never be filled permanently with sin. I like to think about potholes. We all know about potholes in Colorado. Amen? We as a church should write a letter to the state and say, hey, fix the roads. Just me personally. Have y'all ever hit a pothole and it hurts your insides? Like, it makes me want to pull over to the side of the road and give my truck a hug and be like, I'm so sorry. Anyways, I think of it like, like potholes. We have a big one outside of my mom and dad's place on County Road 31 going into Greeley. There is a big pothole. And I mean, this sucker, when you hit it, it does that exact thing. Like you turn your radio down and listen to for what's broken. Well, they'll come and fill this pothole every four, four or so months. And whenever, after that four months, it lasts probably two And pretty soon you're driving over it, and I mean, you're hitting that same pothole 
but it's even worse this time. That's exactly what sin does to us, is whenever we try to fill that void on the inside of us with sin, with with that fear of missing out, whenever we try to fill it with that sin, with earthly pleasures, with things of that sort, it can never last. And then whenever it's empty, whenever that void is back again, it's even bigger than the last time. Whenever we give in to FOMO and we let it fill the void on the inside of us, it creates a cycle. We have that fear of missing out. We have that feeling of being empty on the inside of us and we use sin as a way to fill it in. But then pretty soon that feeling comes back. The, the, the fulfillment that we got from that sin is gone. So we feel empty again. And it's even worse than the last time. God is the only thing that can fill that void permanently. But not only will God fill that void, not he won't fill it to just enough. He's going to fill it to overflowing. He's going to take that pothole that's in the road and he's going to say, this road ain't no good. And then pave a whole new road. That's what he does. In Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Hope and joy is a trade-off of the fear of missing out. When we decide that we aren't going to give into the FOMO that the world is trying to give to us or trying to entice us with, we become a source of hope and joy. When we turn away from the sin, when we turn away from the fear of missing out, and we turn over to God, he gives us hope and joy. In high school, I never did drink. I was the sober friend. I was the DD I was the one who's taking care of all my drunk friends. To be 100% honest, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was funny to watch them. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I was the friend that was sitting in the corner with my water or my Dr. Pepper, you know, just watching my friends get shwasted. <laughs> but my friends always told me, they would say, you don't even have to have alcohol to have fun. You don't even have to drink in order for us to enjoy being around you. You're just naturally fun. You're fun to be around. You, you take good care of us. You just like, you're fun to be around, even without alcohol. How do you do it? And I was like, I don't know. Just happy? I don't know. But what I didn't realize is that I had that natural hope and joy on the inside of me. I didn't feel obligated to drink. My friends never did convince me, dude, you got to try this Coors Light, dude. Like, my friends never did that. My friends were never the people to do that because they respected me, but I respected them also. I wasn't going to force them to conform with what I was thinking. I just wanted to have fun with them. God wants us to have fun. God doesn't want us to be these miserable, (laughs) looking like we're sucking on lemons Christians, walking around here. God didn't want that for us. God wanted us to experience pleasure. God wanted us to have fun here, right? Amen. amen. Do you agree? Yes. Say amen. amen. Yes. 
Thank you, Ms. Janai. But the biggest thing that God wants us to do is he wants us to find our fullness in him. He wants us to have fun, but he wants us to find fun through him. Amen. Amen. See, when we know what the fullness of God feels like, we won't need anything that this world has to offer us as pleasure. No substance will feel as good as God's presence. No amount of money will be worth more than God's glory. And no pleasure will ever feel as good as God's joy. When we feel the pull of the fear of missing out, whenever we feel it pulling on us, trying to drag us back into sin, we have to lean and pull on God's hope and joy. Amen? Amen. That's our stronghold in this, is that hope and joy. That's what we're holding on to in this life, is hope and joy that we don't have to miss out here because we aren't going to miss out in eternity. The way that I look at it is that we don't have to fear missing out when there's something better waiting on us. There's been plenty of times that I've given up going out with my friends to be with my family because I knew that something better was on, waiting for me at home. Being with my family was at, was at home for me. There's been times where I've given up things to just be with Lacey because she matters so much to me that I just want to be with her. We'll give up these earthly pleasures. We'll give up these earthly, this earthly sense of fun when we realize that there is so much better waiting for us in eternity. When the world says that getting drunk is fun, God says, just wait until you bask in my presence in heaven. The world says, hey, telling these little white lies is fun. God says, you won't know what it's like to experience true freedom until you get into eternity with me. To know all the thoughts that I have about you. To know everything that I have done for you. And that ain't no lie. Amen. To know the truths that I think about you. That's what we're working towards. That's what we're working towards while we're here on this earth. Is that sense of joy and hope in eternity. So the Bible calls us to live in obedience. The Bible calls us to live within these parameters, right? While thinking about this, there are two sides to living in that. One side of that is cherry picking. I'm guilty of this just as much as you may think you are. What I mean by cherry picking is that we look at some of the laws that God has given us, some of the things that God has commanded us to obey, and we say, eh, I don't want to obey that right now. You guys just got really quiet. Are you okay? <laughs> you guys, <laughs> trust me, I'm not trying to step on toes or get in anybody's business. I'm just saying this is what we can fall into whenever we're experiencing that. Whenever we become Christians, whenever we're walking in these bounds that the Bible has given us, these are some of the things that we can experience. So please don't think that I'm like reading anybody's mail or coming at you. Okay, because I'm coming at myself. But with cherry picking, we'll say, you know what? I'm not going to murder today. I actually hope that you guys don't murder at all or ever. You know, Colorado drivers kind of make me want to. I'm totally joking, guys. I'm totally joking. I'm kidding. 
<laughs> Somebody said, no, they do. <laughs> Anyways, before we incriminate ourselves, uh, <laughs> we're called not to murder. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to murder, but I really like spreading rumors. I like to talk about Deborah that was greeting me at the front door this morning. You know, I heard that she got pregnant and father's not her husband. I like to spread those rumors. I like to gossip. I love to talk about other people's business. You know, I'm going to choose not to steal, but I'm going to go over here and lie to my boss. I mean, ball-faced lie about what I've worked last week. I put in that overtime. Did you? It's a tough subject because I'm guilty of it. Whenever I was putting this together, I felt like I was reading my own mail. My butt was on fire. <laughs> we need to obey the things that God has called us to. We are called to do everything that the Bible calls us to do. We can't pick and choose what we want to believe. We can't choose to obey some things one day, obey them another day, and then choose not to obey these things one day and then not the next. Call to believe and obey everything. Again, like I said, we all fall short. We all sin. We fall into that sin where we're like, eh, I don't want to believe this one, but I'll believe this one. You know, we all do that. Like I said, I'm just as guilty. But thankfully, God's grace and mercy pours out abundantly for us. He's waiting for us to turn around and say, you know what, God? I am so sorry. Here I am. I repent to you for what I did. I repent to you for not following what you've told me to follow. I repent to you, God. Please wash me clean and help me to be better. I want to be better, God. Now, just a disclaimer. We can't abuse God's grace and mercy. Are we guilty of it? Of course. I am. I'm just as guilty of it as you may think you are. The only thing with that abuse, abusing that grace and that mercy, is that it can harden our heart a little bit. It can make us turn a blind eye to that sin. And we say, oh, I'll just do it again, and then I'll just ask for forgiveness later. That's not how it works. But God is so good to us. He loves us so much that he still forgives us. Even whenever we do abuse it, even whenever we do have that sense that, I'm just not going to obey that. God still says, I forgive you. I love you. You're part of my family. We can't, we have to change our hearts on that. We can't be going around and sinning and then just using our get out of jail free card. We can't be doing that. <laughs> Romans 12.2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions that this culture puts around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be walking back to our sin and then just turning around and going back to forgiveness and repentance. 
Instead, what we need to be doing is turning our back on sin anyways and be constantly pursuing hope and joy. Be constantly pursuing that idea of repentance. Do we mess up? Do we, do we sometimes turn around and look back at our sin and kind of go back to it? Of course. Of course we do. But because we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could be inwardly transformed. That our mind could stop thinking of the way that this world wants us to think. and Start thinking with an eternal mindset, with a heavenly mindset. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit is our guide in this life. And the Holy Spirit is here to push us towards God's hope and joy. Amen? Amen. 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 So the other side of this, the first side was cherry picking, picking and choosing what you want to believe or what you want to obey. The other side of it is legalism. And CW had preached on this last week. And if you haven't listened to CW's message, you got to go listen to it. It's so good. It kind of set me up for this week. So go listen to it. It's really good. But that side of legalism, legalism, like C-Dub was saying last weekend, can be confused with obedience a lot. Sometimes you can be so such a stickler for the rules, so black and white, that it causes you to be legalistic in certain things. For example, last weekend, C-Dub had mentioned that he felt like the Holy Spirit had told him that he needs to stop listening to secular music and listen to worship music. Now, I love worship music. I love it. I love listening to worship music. Like I said, it was getting me hyped up this morning. But if I had to listen to nothing but worship music, I might drive myself insane. I love music. I love just listening to different genres. I love the different sounds, stuff like that. I love different kinds of music. And C.W. had said last week, he said, the legalism in me wants me to put that on other people as well, what the Holy Spirit's commanded me to do. It makes me want to put it on other people. But the Holy Spirit convicted me of that, not y'all. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicted you on drinking. Good. Don't drink. Obey what the Holy Spirit told you to do but he didn't put that conviction on everybody. The Bible says that you shouldn't get drunk. Y'all are super quiet. It's touchy, I know. The Bible says not to get drunk. We need to obey that. But the Bible also tells us in Psalms, it says that wine is a gift from God. That it makes life more merry, right? Go research this. Because what I'm saying, I've researched, I've looked it up. And you, this is super touchy, I know. But go look it up for yourselves, okay? Maybe you, you feel like the Holy Spirit's told you to not curse. Don't curse. Because the Holy Spirit's working something on the inside of you where he needs you to be able to watch your tongue. But he didn't tell everybody to not curse. The Bible tells us that we aren't supposed to use a coarse word against our brother. But it doesn't say anything about cursing necessarily. Done research on this. Trust me. Okay? (laughs) 
What I mean by all of this is that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you certain things that he's not going to tell everybody else. You can't be someone else's Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit's job. Don't take his job. (laughs) That's a position that I don't want to be in. The Holy Spirit may tell you what you need to do, but that doesn't mean that he's telling everybody else to do the same thing. Let Holy Spirit do his job. Let Holy Spirit bring conviction. It's not your job to bring conviction. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Now, correction, if you notice somebody stumbling, if you're, if you're like, hey, man, I realize that you're doing this and this is wrong. What can I do to help? That's okay. But going up to somebody and saying, hey, Holy Spirit told me that I'm not supposed to drink and I don't think you're supposed to drink either because I think Holy Spirit's telling me that too. That's not how Holy Spirit rolls. Holy Spirit talks to you. He doesn't talk to you for other people unless you're giving a prophetic word. Right? Now, hear me out. (laughs) Do we need to get up and like do some wiggle stuff? (laughs) I'm not condoning drinking or cussing. But what I am condoning is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. What I'm condoning is you saying, God, I'm going to put this world's ideologies around me and I'm going to listen to your Holy Spirit where you're guiding me, what you're telling me to do so that I can live better for myself. Amen. Amen. If you would turn to Romans 14. You may be sitting here and listening and like, man, this kid is on one right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you may be sitting there and thinking that, but let me tell you, I got scripture to back it up. I came prepared. My teachers taught me well. Use your resources. You know, I didn't cite them. They'd probably call me for that, but you know. Anyway, Romans 14, and Paul is writing to the church, and it's an argument between food and drink. So we're going to start in Romans 14, verse 13. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit, so keep up. Romans 14, 13. So stop being critical and condemning of other believers, but instead determine to never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble and fall because of your actions. Ow. Um, skip to verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but is in the realm of the Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. Serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. So then make it your top priority to live a life of peace with with harmony in your relationships, eagerly seeking to strengthen and encourage one another. Stop ruining the work of God by insisting on your own opinions about food. You can eat anything you want, but it is wrong to deliberately cause someone to be offended over what you eat. Go to verse 22. This one. (laughs) This one's so good. Keep the convictions you have about these matters between yourself and God. And don't impose them upon others. You'll be happy when you don't judge yourself in doing what your conscience approves. So like I said, Paul is talking about food and drink. But I think that it can be applied to so many other things. Paul says to keep our convictions between ourselves and God. 
right? So that means that we keep our convictions between ourselves and God. He also says to not cause people to stumble. But he doesn't just give it to one party, gives it to both parties. If you're forcing, if you force, if by you forcing your own convictions on somebody causes them to stumble, may need to check yourself. If you doing what you don't feel convicted on causes somebody to stumble, may need to check yourself. (laughs) Man. If by forcing your convictions on other people causes them to stumble, check yourself. But if you doing what you don't feel convicted on causes somebody to stumble, check yourself. It's a hard pill to swallow because I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I've been on the side that kind of forces what I feel like is right on other people. I've been on the side where maybe what I feel comfortable in doing could cause somebody to stumble. It's not a fun place to be in. And I believe that I will probably be held accountable for that in heaven. When God says, hey, did good, but there's a couple of times where you forcing your ideology, your opinion, what Holy Spirit told you onto other people really caused them to wrestle on the inside of them. And it declined their relationship with me rather than excelling it. Hey, you did really good, but there was one time that you were doing something that you didn't feel convicted on and somebody saw you. And it caused them to decline in relationship with me rather than accelerate. It's not a place that I want to be in, but I know that I'm going to be held accountable for it. We all are. So we need to be mindful that whenever we have those convictions, when Holy Spirit tells us, hey man, don't do that, that we're not walking up to somebody and saying, I'm going to be your Holy Spirit too? Don't do it. Whenever we're in these mindsets of these two things, when we're cherry picking, that FOMO still has a pull on us. But whenever we're in that place of legalism, it's almost like we aren't enjoying what God has given us here. So back to this idea of FOMO. How do we combat it? I have another acronym for you guys. Are you ready for this? JOMO. I wish that I could say that I coined this term. I saw it on a website. And I really wish that I could say that I took it and I I did it or I made it, but I didn't. My dad says, if you have eyes, plagiarize. So that's what I did. Hey. So what is JOMO? JOMO is joy of missing out. The joy of missing out. So what is the joy of missing out? It's seeing that the sin that we could have fun with isn't worth it. Jomo is realizing that God's fullness, hope, and joy may not be understood here in this lifetime, but in the next lifetime it will be understood. 
The joy of missing out is realizing you don't have to feel the pain of shame, guilt, and the emptiness that you experience when you give in to FOMO. When you don't give in to FOMO, whenever you don't have the fear of missing out, you have the joy of missing out. You know what I can equate this to? Not getting drunk and not waking up with a hangover the next morning. Not lying and keeping your job and getting your promotion maybe a little later. That's what I can equate it to. The joy of missing out is realizing that the consequences of sin, you don't have to experience because you didn't give in to it. So imagine with me, how differently would we think or act if we lived with Jomo instead of FOMO? How differently would our mindset be? That didn't make sense. How different would our mindset be? The life here that we're living here on earth is temporary and so are the pleasures that we can experience. And FOMO will tell us that this is it. This is our only chance to experience something this good. But we're not waiting on this life. We're not here getting pleasure from this life because we're going to experience pleasure later on. We have something better waiting on us. When we live with Jomo, we realize that this isn't the only chance. When we see these, the things that, the, that this life is offering us from an eternal perspective, we can have confidence that the fun things here won't hold a candle to the fun things later on. Like I was saying, not everything in this life is bad. Not every pleasure that we experience is bad. Because I believe that God put that desire on the inside of us. I believe that God gave us that desire to experience pleasure. And the reason why I think he did it, because we have Thanksgiving coming up. Imagine, imagine with me. Think of the best pie you can, your favorite pie. Okay, you got it? You get to Thanksgiving, you smell the food, you eat all of it, it's so good. You get this pie, but they give you a slice like that big. They give you this little itty bitty sliver and you're like, dude, what are you doing? And they say, you got to wait just a little bit. So you wait, but you taste that pie before you start waiting. And it is so good. I mean, gives you chills a little bit. That's exactly what we're experiencing here. We're experiencing that little, small sliver of pie, that goodness of what we're going to experience later on in heaven. That's what this life was meant for, to experience some of the little bit of pleasure that we will be able to experience later. The world's fun and pleasure won't hold a candle to the fun and pleasure that we get to experience with God. When we live with the knowing that heavenly treasures, experiences, and joys are waiting for us, we won't feel the pull of FOMO. We can have hope and joy that the next life is going to hold much better. 
we have the joy of missing out here to gain what God has for us next. In this life here on earth, we need to live as God commanded us to. We need to follow the Bible. We need to live how it tells us to. Avoiding temporary pleasure here on earth is hard. But it's so worth it. We need to let the Holy Spirit be our guide in this life. We need to let the Holy Spirit pull us away from FOMO and give us JOMO. We need to leave the world standard behind. We need to bring in the standard that God has given us and say, this is what I'm holding on to. This is what I'm living by. This is my standard. This is what God's holding me to. The joy of missing out is a way better way to live than having the fear of missing out. Because in eternity, we won't be missing out. It's our job here on this earth also to make sure that other people aren't going to miss out. God calls us to go into all the earth, to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. All so that people can experience the joy and hope in eternity. We're called to spread the gospel and plant seeds of hope and joy. And it's our job to be bold in our faith and to show others what the joy of missing out is. Like I was saying, who wants to be a Christian when we all are sitting around looking like a bunch of Eeyores? Yay, God. Jesus saved me. Who wants to be that? Let's be a bunch of Tigger Christians. Let's be happy. Let's leave here today going into the world and saying, you know what? I may not feel the pull of FOMO anymore. That's a good thing because I'm not going to wake up with a hangover tomorrow. I'm going out of here today saying, I'm not going to lie because I trust God's timing to advance me further than my lying will. I'm going out of here today to share with people the joy of missing out and that it's worth it and that the world's pull, the world's pleasure, the world's sin doesn't compare to the pleasure that God has waiting for me. Be happy. There's so much more for us, so much better. Let's leave out of here today with a smile. I know I talked about some heavy stuff. What I encourage you to do, read your Bible. Look up some of these things. Honestly, whenever I was researching this message, whenever I was searching stuff out, I said, is it a sin to curse? That's what I looked up. I looked up, is it a sin to drink? And I also looked up FOMO in the Bible. Look these things up for yourself because it could cause some freedom on the inside of you. Where you felt obligations from other people in the past, 
where you felt their Holy Spirit convictions on the inside of you that Holy Spirit may not have convicted you of, it'll bring freedom to you. It's so good to be able to research that and to experience freedom and fullness in God. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get you out of here, okay? Dear Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us the spirit of joy this morning, God. God, thank you for giving us your hope and joy so that we don't have to follow or chase after the fullness and the fake joy and hope that the world gives us. God, thank you so much for everything that you do for us, giving us your Holy Spirit to guide us throughout this life, God. God, thank you so much for your goodness, for your freedom, for the ability to hear Holy Spirit better and better each and every day. If there's anybody in here that maybe you have listened this morning and you say, you know what, I'm guilty of the cherry picking. I sin. It's okay. Because whenever you're here in God's family, you don't have to worry about being put out of his family just because of a sin. You're still his kid. He still loves you. He's just waiting on you to come and apologize, to repent and say, Dad, I'm sorry. I did wrong. I know I did wrong. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. And I'm asking for you to clean me, to make me better. And I'm going to do everything I can to not do that again. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to just put up your hand right where you are. Praise Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm the only one that's looking, okay? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm raising my hand right along with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. All right, y'all can put your hands down. If you are in here and maybe you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you don't have that relationship with God where you don't know what it's like to have a father, where you don't know what the love of the Father God feels like, And you're sitting here and you say, I want to know what that's like. I want to know what that joy is. I want to know what that hope feels like. Because I've never experienced that before. I'm going to ask you to be brave. And I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up where you are. It's just me. I'm the only one that's looking. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. God, we thank you for each and every one that put up their hand. God, we thank you for them being bold and making the decision to accept you, God, to come back and repent to you. If you raised your hand, well, actually, everybody repeat this with me. Say, Jesus, I love you so much. God, I'm sorry that I've walked away. But now I'm turning back and I'm running after you. I'm pursuing you like you pursue me. Jesus, I open my heart to you. 
I accept you. I accept your forgiveness. Now God, create in me a clean heart, a heart that longs for you, not the pleasures of this world, just you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We had a couple of hands go up that accepted Jesus for the first time. We had a couple of hands of people returning back home. I want to tell you, your decision is brave. I get emotional at this point every time. Your decision is brave. And God's saying, welcome home. He's not saying what do you have to say for yourself. Explain it to me first, and then maybe I'll give you a hug. He's saying, welcome home. He says, I love you. Come give your dad a hug, please. I've missed you for so long. Man, that's so cool. I love it. I love it. You changed your eternity forever, and you're back experiencing the love of the Father. Welcome home. Y'all, thank you for your time this morning. It's an honor to stand up here. It's an honor to be able to speak to you guys and for you guys to listen to me. I love y'all. Thank you so much.